0: Welcome to the Self-Love Podcast. This week's quickie, I'd love to talk about an emotion that's probably very familiar to all of us at different phases and stages in our life, and that is the emotion of guilt. Now, Terry Gilmay says, guilt is always hungry. Don't let it consume you. And I just want to share with you a little excerpt from my book, The Art of Self-Love, on my discovery around what guilt does and doesn't do for us. I'll tell a story of where I really do believe guilt, perhaps, you know, I became more and more aware of it, which was when I was younger, I used to get frustrated. I had a curfew when it came to going out. I was a typical teenager who didn't like being told she could or couldn't do something. It's not like I was a huge party girl. After all, I loved sport and netball was my life, but I still craved the freedom all young people want. One weekend, I begged my mum to let me go to a party out in West Auckland up in the Waitakere Ranges, the hills. It was quite far from home. And remember, in those days, we didn't have mobile phones. My mum was an immovable object, though. And no matter how hard I tried to manipulate the situation in my favour, her commitment was clearly about looking after me and my welfare. Not that I thought that at the time. No, at the time, I thought her commitment was to hold me back. I was frustrated, disappointed, even angry with her. But there was a perspective I was not seeing because I was only looking through the eyes of an inexperienced young person, a teenager. In the end, I'm not quite sure what I did, but I was given permission to go to the party. The only thing was I had to be home by midnight. My friend, Tony, who was 21 at the time and working, had a company car, There were five of us and we all piled into it. It was going to be an amazing night and it certainly started out that way. That is until the drugs started being shared, alcohol was flowing, and I realised at 10 o'clock, all I wanted to do was to get home. I finally convinced Tony and my other friends to leave. It was 11.30 at night and already I knew I was going to be late home, given it was at least a 55-minute drive home. I knew I was already in trouble Tony had been drinking, so I insisted I drove, but he would not let me. Stupidly, we all got in the car. As we descended the Waitakere Ranges, my heart was in my mouth as Tony was driving erratically. I wanted to get out, but before I knew it, the back of the car clipped the rock face on the opposite side of the road. Suddenly, we ricocheted, bounced, and the car started sliding down a sideways slope until it came to an abrupt stop. A tree branch lodged itself right through the front passenger window, almost taking out both the passenger and Tony's head. My two girlfriends and I were piled on top of each other, unbuckled, I might add, in the back seat. The engine had stopped and all I heard were the wheels still turning outside the vehicle. We all climbed rather hazily out of the upside-down car through the driver's door and the back passenger door. Crawling up the slope, the five of us finally made it up onto the road. We looked down through the darkness where the car was just visible and saw that our car was hanging precariously on the side of a 50-metre cliff face. Shocked realisation washed over all of us. The tree branch that had almost decapitated the two front seat passengers had actually saved our lives. We searched for a house with a light on and asked the occupants if we could call a tow truck I also asked if I could call my mum. When I finally got her on the line, I told her what had happened, playing it down, of course, and that I was going to be late. She was worried and angry in the same breath. I knew I was in big trouble and felt so goddamn guilty. By the time the tow trucks arrived, we were all quiet and still in shock. We could have all died. It was obvious. No one was speaking. I would not call myself a religious person, but in that moment, I believed in God. My mum worked three jobs to raise us. I'd like to say I was her right-hand person. The reality of her protection struck me with incredible force, not only that she needed me maybe and relied on me perhaps, but to help her out being the eldest of three. I was also showered in the devastation of what could have been. Later when I was finally able to puzzle the pieces together, I felt so goddamn guilty that I could have ever been so selfish, frustrated, and rude. During those years, guilt and I built a close companionship as both my mother and I used it as a weapon to keep me in check. The feeling of self-guilt fueled by frustration would reach the pit of my stomach and render me completely powerless at times. I realize I am engaged with self-guilt often, especially when I feel I've let people down. You know that feeling when you've done or said the wrong thing? knowing there are consequences, and then you feel ashamed of yourself for getting yourself in that position in the first place? You wish you had thought it through, or better yet, not done it at all? may sound familiar, but I'm seriously convinced that none of us escaped the sensation of guilt during our early childhood years, and now as a parent, I can see why sometimes my mother and I would use guilt to get what we wanted or needed. I have to confess, I've caught myself using guilt as a last resort to motivate my kids when they've been stubborn, immovable objects as I was. What I've discovered, though, is that we all do the best we can with the resources we have, as there are no rule books to download on the internet on how to be a perfect person and parent or how to perfectly manage guilt. Let's face it, if you're a people pleaser, this one is especially difficult for you. We know that self-guilt can be a paralyzing debacle if left unchecked. Long-term self-guilt appears as an internal dialogue that leaves us feeling lonely and sad. Worst of all, it's happening right there inside of us, right between our own two ears. Our thoughts about what we have been or haven't done are creating these emotions and they may seem like there's just no escape. The more we think about it, the worse the feelings become and no amount of justification can seem to pull us through. We can't run, we can't hide, and for the most part, we can't even talk ourselves out of it because somewhere inside we truly believe we deserve to feel this way. Perhaps it's our inner punishment and it hurts. Now, before we all throw in the towel, there is an upside. Guilt, like all emotions, play a pivotal role. It is an internal and very private event. And that is a good thing because no matter what we've experienced, it's not the experience that hooks us into self-guilt. It's our interpretation, our perspective of that experience. And if we're willing to become our very own best problem solver, we can talk ourselves out of what we have talked ourselves into. Now, in the book, I take a look at what manifests as guilt and the sorts of experiences that can bring it on. So you can easily identify the need to enter what I call the self-love circle for help. I believe there's two types of guilt, rational and irrational. According to research, there are two types, the rational and irrational, which helps to keep the simple rational guilt, is when you go against your own personal values, your own morals, wishes and desires, and it's very self-oriented. Irrational guilt is based on should and shouldn't conditioned thoughts, childhood belief systems and or societal norms, which are the rules that are not really or necessarily your own. These are the beliefs that your parents had about right and wrong, or what you determined was going to work for you when you were a child, and you're still carrying it around unconsciously. As we become adults, sometimes these strategies can cripple us with anxiety or misplaced responsibility for things that are ultimately out of our control. So whether our guilt is rational or irrational, it's still inside of us. And you can feel it, it's very real for you and shaking it off feels impossible. But one of the best ways to bring a rationality to an emotional situation is to first name the problem, get clarity on what it is, where it came from, and then begin to seek out solutions. Now, I know there's many ways that guilt manifests in our lives and I'll leave the book to do the talking for you. But what I do believe is what are we gonna do with these feelings of guilt? When you explore your own self-guilt, I encourage you to look at it with an open heart and mind and explore how this feeling can be turned around and made to work for you. Diving into the tools of the self-love circle, you will see how every experience and emotion is providing us with contrast, and if we can just take a moment to look, we will actually find the lesson it is teaching us. I often find myself questioning the gut reaction of guilt. You know, that feeling in the pit of your stomach that goes up to your heart, that feeling is often a good barometer to determine whether next time you could do something a little better or to see if guilt is being driven by your own response to someone else's behavior. And we all know that sense of control when you make someone else feeling guilty for not doing what you want. And sometimes it may well happen to you too. Research shows that we collectively spend on average up to five hours a week at a minimum in a state of guilt. So the reason why I wrote the book and why I'm sharing this now is let's not waste another moment. Let's embrace the remedy. And let's also know that rather than sitting in the pity party of guilt, perhaps there's some lessons or opportunities for us to learn, grow and expand. I truly believe the essential oils that support us to get through self-guilt include oils like cardamom, clary sage, and lavender. And if it was me and I was feeling that element of guilt, I would be making a blend of cardamom, clary sage, and lavender. I'd be rubbing it over the part of me that feels the guilt, either the pit of my stomach or my heart, and I would be honoring myself asking myself for clarity, and checking in with myself to see what new perspectives, new belief systems, new ideas, or new ways that I can look at this beautiful lesson. I hope you've enjoyed this week's self-love quickie all around the beauty of self-guilt, and perhaps you could share with me on my Instagram page, Morrison twenty-eight. My Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, or you can go to the com forward slash self love podcast. I love your comments and feedback. I love your questions. And I will continue to share with you the questions or the answers, my belief on what some answers can be right here in our quickie sessions each week. Please, if you love this podcast, take the time to share it. It really means the world to me. And if you take time to give it a five-star rating on iTunes or the other platforms, you have no idea how it helps other people find this beautiful podcast. Thanks also to 28 Essentials for being my beautiful sponsor of this show. I sincerely hope you enjoy the discount offered in the notes when you go to 20 and the word 8, the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take care. Be kind. And I cannot wait to see what you think of this week's show. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care.